You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you live from Hobart, Tasmania and also Launceston, right across Australia. Each weekday at 9am, you can hear what the Bible says about past, current and future events. You can learn how to study the Bible more effectively. You can get to know who God is, why we're here and where we're going. And you can experience personal encounters with Jesus. I'm your host, Jason Cook, and today we have David Maxwell joining us from Launceston for his series, Reflecting Jesus. Welcome, David. Hi, Jason. How are you going? Not too bad. It's good to have you back with us remotely today, um, mm. as normal, but uh, it's good to have you again on your program today. Today we're uh, going to be talking about assisting the afflicted, part one. This is a two-part series, mm. obviously. And two parts to this one. You always uh, start us off with a bit of a story, and uh, uh, I'm wondering what you've got for us today, David. Yeah, thanks, Jason. Look, still looking at blessings in my life, and and I guess just to recap, many of the things that happen in our life we don't see as blessings at the time, Mm. um, and they can be uh, quite um, disheartening sometimes. But when you look back at them, you can always see that God has been working in some way. And that's what I'm trying to share here. One of the things that I found to be a real blessing is speaking publicly in front of people. Mm. It used to be one of my greatest fears, Mm. um, standing in front of people I don't know and and speaking anything. Oh, I used to just, you know, I'd be sweating under the arms. I'd be be nervous. I, I would fumble over my words. And so it wasn't something I looked forward to. However, the more I've done it, the more I've found that I grow spiritually from it. I've, I've, I've seen God's power because uh, I'm always praying and I'm humbly praying before I speak that, that God will actually work. God will speak through me. He will use his words. People will hear what they need to hear. And sometimes when I felt I've spoken the absolute worst, people have come up to me and said, that was such a blessing. And so I've, I've seen the blessings uh, in others, to others, and I felt the blessings myself. And so the more I do it, the more I, I enjoy it. And I've actually grown to really enjoy public speaking in front of people, even those I don't know. And the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. So to me, it's become a real blessing in my life, something that I hated, um, as a young person, I can remember never wanting to get up in front of people. And for many, many years, decades, I couldn't speak in front of people. But now it's a blessing. And so that's been great. I can relate to you, David. Um, when we were starting this uh, radio program from Tasmania, um, Gary Webster, our, our president here, uh, uh, we were looking for somebody to host the program. And he said to me, um, why don't you do it? And I, I'd never envisaged myself being the host of this program, and I don't consider myself a public speaker. And, uh, and I, here you are. And here I am. <laughs> and it's uh, and I do enjoy it now. You know, initially you I, I was a bit anxious about it all, but um, I do enjoy uh, catching up each week. It's good, and you do very well. Uh, thank you. I'm, uh, I just do my best. <laughs> So um, today you'll be uh, talking about this uh, assisting the afflicted. Would you like to just uh, give us a brief uh, intro to that? Yeah, no worries. Look, so today I want to look at this series continuing that we're speaking about reflecting Jesus, and I'd like to look at 
how we can reflect Jesus in our lives, specifically at looking at assisting others in their ailments. So Jesus did this, and he did it very, very well. Um, And I'm not saying we're going to do it the way Jesus does it or has done it, but we're going to have a look at how Jesus did it, and then we can talk about, well, how, how are we able to assist people in their lives? Because it's very, very important. You know, we have so many sick and suffering through the pandemics, um, through just, you know, normal life. Mm. You come across people who've, who, who are very sick, uh, people who are suffering, people who are suffering from family members who've passed away. How do we, how do we actually help them? Mm. And it's a very important topic because it's just so prevalent today. So that's what we're going to look at, how Jesus did it, how we can do it in the lives of others, and then how that actually reflects Jesus in the lives of others. But before the break, <laughs> I would really like people to have a think about, is there be, has there been a time, I think everyone's had a chance to do this in the past, has there ever been a time you've prayed for someone to be healed, and what was the outcome? Mm. Now, that might open the door to lots of answers and really would like to see some texts coming in of what people have done. Um, Maybe to kick it off, I can mention a couple, and if you've got something to share, you can too, Jason, So, Mm. even if it's your own experience. So one time when I prayed, now I've prayed for people to be healed many times, and I've had faith that they're going to be healed, and I pray that way, and then I wait, and often nothing happens. So even as a pastor, you, you get that a lot. But there was one particular time that we prayed for someone who had been diagnosed again. So they had cancer and it was in remission, cancer in remission. And then it came up again. And I think this is the third or fourth time. And she just felt, this is it. This is it. And so we were praying, my wife and I were praying before I went and visited her and we just f- felt led to the verse of Lazarus and how when Jesus was told about Lazarus's sickness, um, Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. And yet the man died. Mm. But that verse just wouldn't leave me. So I went and uh, while I was, we were talking with this lady, and we were trying to encourage her and, you know, give her a little bit of hope. <clears throat> I shared that verse with her. I said, look, I felt really impressed to share the verse. I said, look, this verse came to me this morning and we were reading it together. And I believe it's for you. And so we read it to her. This, this sickness is not unto death. And it lifted her spirits. It really did. And, you know, God answered the prayer when we asked for healing. Not immediately, but within 24 hours, within 24 hours, her her um, regenerating cells were were way way below what they should have been, almost non-existent. The following day, they were like ten times what they were the day before, mm. and the doctors couldn't explain it. And she just improved, went into remission, got another two years, mm. and so I believe that was in answer to prayer. And it didn't happen in front of our eyes, but it had begun happening immediately, mm. even though we couldn't see it. Mm. Another time was um, where I, we, I again prayed. It was a group of us praying for someone. We anointed them. 
and it was the first time I have felt a physical discharge is the only word I can use for it from my fingers as I had my hands on this person and was praying for them. Mm. And she felt instant healing and she was encouraged as well, lifted her spirits and she felt a slight improvement with the, with, uh, the condition that she had. So different things. Many times I've prayed and nothing obvious has happened, but I'd like to hear what other people have done. Mm, we'd love to hear from you today. Do text us in your experience with healing. If uh, you have been healed or you've prayed for somebody uh, to be healed, text us in on 0488 Now, of course, uh, we've got our past episodes you, you can listen to on the Faith FM Australia app and the Faith FM website. So do take advantage of those if you want to go back and have a listen. Um, David, uh, I'll just mention that uh, I've got a three-part series at the beginning of our Connecting the Dots uh, series where I shared my experience with cancer. And during that, there was uh, two situations that relate to this. One was I had a friend who uh, passed away uh, of cancer, and so I certainly was praying for him and with him. Uh, and then I've had my own experience and, and the friend mm. who passed away was just before my own experience where I also faced uh, stage four cancer. And, and mm. of course, I have been healed from that. So uh, different experiences uh, in different circumstances with different people. Mm, it's not that always must have been a real challenge for you, Jason. It, it was, certainly was. And, yeah. um, you know, watching a friend pass away when I had previously had cancer at stage yeah. three and then after he yeah. passed away i was diagnosed at stage four so you must have thought that was what was ahead for you well that was certainly a possibility it was certainly mm. a possibility so wow. we will uh, go to our break but do text us in zero four double eight we'd love to hear from you today zero four double eight double eight zero eight nine one and, of course, that's the number to claim our free book offers. Mm -hmm. We're going to do, uh, have a listen to this, um, uh, this next song now. Uh, this is called There Is a Mountain by Carolyn Cobb.
You're listening to Tessie and Counters on Faith FM, and today we're talking with David Maxwell on the topic of assisting the afflicted. This is part one of two programs that we'll do on this, particularly relating to healing the sick. Before the break, we did ask you a question. Have you ever prayed for someone to be healed? What happened? We'd love to hear from you today. Perhaps someone prayed for you. We'd love to hear that as well. Text us in on 0488 David, uh, we are going to get into this topic of assisting the afflicted, and uh, you were going to get into this idea of how Jesus um, did this. How did he uh, heal people? How did he assist the afflicted? So uh, it's yeah. time to start getting into that and unpack it. Yeah, that's it. As I suggested uh, earlier, Jason, we're going to look at how Jesus assisted the afflicted while he was here. Um, and then what he told us to do as well, because he, he wants us to have a part in that, which is very interesting. But first, let me pray, then I'll get you to read the text we're going to look at today, and then we'll start unpacking it. Okay. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we still have your word available today, even though it's difficult in some places around the world. Lord, as we open it, please speak to us and speak to our listeners as they hear it. We ask in your name. Amen. Amen. So... Jason, would you mind reading from the – this is a new translation, fairly new. It's called the Christian Standard Bible. Some people may have it or have heard of it. It's a very clear version. So if you could read Matthew ten five to 8 for us, please. Sure. It says, Jesus sent out these 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go – Proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you received, freely give. Mm, Thanks, Jason. You know, sometimes Jesus gives his followers impossible-sounding tasks, and this seems to be one of them. I want to unpack this instruction by first looking at what Jesus did and why, and I think that's very important. Um, illustration I'd like to use to open. You may have heard it's called the doctor's mechanic. Um, a heart surgeon and had his car in at the mechanic's shop one day um, and he was letting the guy fix it while he was working. When he finished, he went over to the, the surgeon went over to pick it up and he was the, the, the mechanic was a little miffed that the surgeon was, you know, kind of doing the same kind of job as him and was getting paid so much more. So, you know, one was fixing engines in a car, one was fixing engines, inverted commas, in, a, in people. And so as the uh, surgeon was leaving, the mechanic says, listen, mate, I don't really see why we have such different salaries. We both work on engines, me on cars, you on people. I really think I should be getting a salary more like yours. Mm. Surgeon <laughs> thought for a little while, as surgeons often would. He said, perhaps... But have you ever tried to fix an engine while it's running? <laughs> Interesting. It, I can see the uh, I can see the analogy. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. I really liked it. Look, I understand that your heart, inverted commas, is the engine of your body. But when you need something fixed in your body, you don't go to a butcher or a car mechanic or a hairdresser. You go to someone who knows how you tick and who will do a good job fixing you up. You usually trust the doctors and the surgeons and those sorts of people. Mm. But really, you know, who's better to fix you up than the one who created you in the first place? Absolutely. Now, we're going, 
We're going to talk more about spiritual restoration next week, but I would like to look at it just briefly, just briefly, just so we have a little bit of an overview of it. So there are a number of words in the biblical original languages, um, Hebrew and the Greek, that have um, that talk about healing. Some have a spiritual connotation, while others have a physical one. So although we'll cover this spiritual side more next week, in essence... The spiritual connotations of these words mean a repair of our spiritual state and restoration to God. So two examples of that in the Bible. One is in very popular verse for um, John 3, not 16, but the verse that follows at 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The word there is sozo, and it has that spiritual connotation rather than the physical one. And the matching verse to that is in James, towards the end of the Bible after Hebrews. And let me read that briefly for you. In James 5, 15 and 20. James 5, 15 and 20, and it says, And the prayer of faith will save, sozo, the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. There's, there's clearly a spiritual connotation there. And if you keep reading, it does say, pray that you might be healed. And that's the physical healing. But at the end here in verse 20, it says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save sozo, a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So this connotation to this Greek word sozo is the salvation the mm. spiritual healing. And we'll, we'll look at the context of this, but we'll talk more about that next week. Mm. However, today we're going to look at the physical side because most people experience this and it's uh, difficult for people. In, in the physical sense throughout the Bible, in both the Hebrew and the Greek, this physical healing means to mend, repair, heal, cure, make well. And this is implied in Exodus fifteen twenty six, where God says, well, I don't have time to read all of these today. We'll run out of time. But in that section, it talks about how God promises physical health and restoration as a result of obedience. So if, you, if you're obedient, this is what I'll do. I'll heal you. I'll heal you. And then in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 7 and 8, I do need to read this one because we're going to look at this a little bit later. So if I read it, you'll know what I'm talking about later. A centurion comes to Jesus and asks for the physical restoration of a paralyzed servant. This is quite important. We'll come back to it. So let me read it quickly. Um, Matthew 8, 7 and 8. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. So made made well, completely restored, mended, repaired. That's what that word means there. So in both these cases, it's referring to the physical benefits of complete restoration to God, either God's ideal for health or the state of a person that they were in before the ailment. Okay, so that's quite important to think about as we go through. Indeed, when Jesus was here and going from place to place, I'd suggest that it was mainly the reason why people came was for physical healing. They saw that, you know, all their ailments were going and they're going to be able to work and, you know, look after their families again. So huge crowds would gather and get healed. What really stands out to me 
is that Jesus did this because he loved mankind. Remember that John 3.16, God so loved the mm. world that he came. And then he also, you know, his main point of coming was to seek and save the lost. We see that in Luke 19.19. 19. But he clearly was moved with compassion for mankind, and that's why he restored us physically as well. After the end of World War I, there was an immense job remaining to locate the dead and return some record of them to their grieving family. Um, many, many had already done their service. Now, you can imagine, you think of Gallipoli, uh, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that were killed in that conflict. And many of these people who, who went back to places like that <clears throat> to assist finding their mates and relocating them had already served beside them and seen them, you know, be killed right there. Mm. Um, but many chose, even though they'd finished their service, after the war they chose to stay behind and help in this process of locating, documenting, and for many relocating their bodies closer to home. Why did they do it? You know, they they already witnessed the trauma once and now they had to ex, what do they call it, uh, exhume them mm. from the grave they'd been put in where they were and have to face that trauma all over again. Well, Associate Professor Fred Cahur says this about it. The sense of mateship also came through very strongly in some of these accounts. So some wanted to stay behind and take care of their mates. Mm. So it's a it's a uh, sort of friendship and love that I guess perhaps we don't understand unless you've been in a similar sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, it's a kind of attitude I see from Jesus' example. Mm. You know, some two thousand years ago, he's our perfect example. He came for one reason, but he did so much more because of his great love and mercy for us. Mm. Well, it's time for another break. This uh, next song is "Who Is This Jesus" by Caroline Cobb. But uh, do remember our listener question for today. Have you ever prayed for somebody to be healed? What happened? Perhaps somebody's prayed for you. We'd love to hear from you this morning. We've got somebody texting and we'll, uh, we'll talk, talk about that a bit later. But uh, we'll go to this song and talk to you soon. I saw his face shine like the sun on the mountainside. And Moses were there, pale in his glorious light. And a voice came like thunder, and I trembled all over. Said this, my beloved child, who is this Jesus but the Son of God? I saw him walk on the waves, I saw him still the storm, I saw the demons afraid, but the children safe in his arms, he said Lazarus rise up, wake from your sleep, and his dead heart started to Jesus, but the Son of God. 
program is made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and today we're speaking with David Maxwell on his series Reflecting Jesus. And David's been talking about this topic of assisting the afflicted or the sick, healing the sick. Now we did ask you a question and Nadia has texted in to say, hello Faith FM. Prior to chemo for breast cancer, I received a a briefing explaining all the possible horrible side effects of chemo. Mm. That night I prayed, holding my Bible, explaining to God how scared I was and thought I was going to die. I asked if he could please help me. I opened my Bible and within almost the 800,000 words, that's the size of the Bible, Mm. I was drawn to a page with a passage that says, and they shall drink poison but will not die. Mm. 11 years later... I'm still here. What a fantastic testimony and and, uh, story. Thanks for sharing, Nadia. Uh, I know I've experienced something quite similar to that as well when I was uh, facing uh, radiation treatment. So that's, uh, yeah, that's a great testimony. Mm. So, David, before the break, you were saying that Jesus came to heal us um, spiritually and restore us to a right relationship with him. But he also healed people physically. Yeah. So uh, would you like to expand on that? Yeah, no worries. Thanks, Jason. So as I said before the break, although Jesus' main mission was to heal us, restore us to God, and that's the spiritual side of things, he healed people physically as well because of his great compassion for mankind. So we can actually learn a lot by how Jesus healed. And there are so many examples. I don't have time to look at them all. So I'm just going to look at one example from each of a number of categories. And the first is where Jesus heals with a word and he's in person. So probably, and this is in John 11, 1 to 44, I hope you write the verses down and look them up and read them because we can't read the whole section here today. 
Probably the most common way that Jesus healed was when he was there in person. It's what attracted so many people. And, and he spoke these healing words directly to the person concerned. The most, certainly the most incredible example of this you've most likely heard about, and it was Lazarus. It was most incredible because this man wasn't just a little bit sick. He was this dead. Man died. <laughs> you know, and that's beyond the sphere of any of us. And he'd been dead for three or four days. He had been. He had been. And in short, Jesus came and gently rebuked a family for not believing in him enough. And I can really relate to it because someone's died you're going to the funeral you're organizing a funeral don't expect that someone's going to come along and bring them back for you Mm. so you think that's it it's dead i've seen this happen you know enough times to know there's no coming back from this but jesus creative power is so great that some have suggested that if he didn't use lazarus's name when he says lazarus come out or come forth that it was likely that everyone in the graves, when he says, come forth, they would have all come out. That's how powerful Jesus' uh, word is for healing. So Jesus' word was powerful enough, his word alone was powerful enough to heal and restore the whole person. And and I, I would think that Jesus didn't restore him to the sixth state he was before. I believe Jesus would have restored him better than before he died. Mm-hmm. Then another one, another section is a word from a distance. Now, this is, well, we'll relate ourselves in the next section about how we can do this as well. But with a word from a distance, Matthew 8, 5 to 13. So Jesus wasn't always present with the person when he healed them. Um, There was a centurion, which we read about earlier, who came to Jesus asking him to heal this paralyzed servant. Now, firstly, the, the centurion must have really loved this servant because he's a Roman centurion he's in charge of uh, you know a hundred a hundred other men he must have really loved him to make this journey himself and come to this despised jewish rabbi so there was something about this this centurion that was different still this was no impediment for jesus he saw the centurion's faith and no doubt his love for the servant and he healed him right there at a distance and sends him home Mm. He comments on the man's faith, by the way, but Mm. we haven't time to expand on that. Without a word, that's the next section. So Jesus sometimes healed without saying anything. And you can see this in Mark 5, 25 to 34. This woman who'd been sick for 12 years. Now, I think the 12 is quite significant because it's nestled inside of a story that talks about 12 as well, 12 years. So we'll come to that in a minute. But this woman had been sick for 12 years, spent all the money on doctors to try to get well. I'm sure some of you can, you know, relate to that. And she comes in desperation after 12 years. You know, Jesus, this man, this healer I've heard about, he's my only hope. And fighting away through the crowd, she just touches the hem of Jesus' robe and is instantly healed. Now, I'd like to note here that there were lots of people around Jesus at the time. You know, he was going from one place to another. He was heading to um, a a religious leader's home to heal a dying child. There was all these people crowding and touching Jesus. But this is the only woman that's mentioned, the only person that's mentioned being healed by that touch. She touches him and is immediately and completely healed. Jesus said it had something to do with her faith. 
but he hadn't touched her or said a word for her to be healed. So that's that's powerful. That's really powerful. We'll talk about that example after the break a little bit. And then with a touch. Now, this is also uh, something Jesus commonly did. He touched people. Mark 5, 21 to 24 and 35 to 43. It's sandwiched around that story that we just mentioned <clears throat> about this, um, the Jewish leader. And, uh, sorry, the, the woman with the bleeding. So this one is actually the reason Jesus was there to meet the woman at that time anyway. Jairus had a sick daughter. It was the only daughter he had, and she was 12. And isn't it interesting that for the 12 years that child was growing, that woman had been sick. So I think it's significant that two 12s in there mm. and why Mark you know, puts these two stories together, one of the reasons. But the, the daughter was critically sick, almost to the point of death, and again, desperately, Jairus has come to Jesus in this last-ditch hope of having her restored before it's too late. Notwithstanding the delay, word arrives that the child died, and I can just imagine how Jairus must have felt. Jesus straight away encourages Jairus, don't doubt, just have faith. And he's just watched this woman, he's heard the story. Mm, maybe this man can do something. He goes, he touches the child, he takes her by the hand and says, get up. And her life comes back and she's restored. And I can just imagine how that man must have felt. Mm. Then by an instruction. Now, <laughs> we're getting close to time. We'll see how we go. We'll see if we can get these in. So by an instruction, you know, in John 5, 1 to 13, there's many examples of and this is similar to speaking, you know, just Jesus saying something. But in these instances, when you read John 5, 1 to 13, you see that it's one example of where Jesus tells the person he's going to heal to do something that is impossible to do in the state they're in. You know, he's got a shriveled hand. You know, straighten your hand. You know, he's a cripple on the on the mat. Mm. Get up. <laughs> Take your mat. And... and this this paralytic man, he's laying beside a special pool for 38 years in hope of healing. He's He knows he can't get up. He's had to drag himself towards the pool. Someone else gets in the pool ahead of him and he mm. says, ah, oh, there's no point. Mm. Jesus here, seeing his plight, knowing what he wanted to be healed, saw that he had faith, tells him to rise, which is impossible, take up your bed, which was forbidden on the Sabbath, and walk, again, impossible. And immediately he obeys and is completely made well. So Jesus involves the person in their own healing. Mm. Another time, Jesus heals partially. This is quite interesting. Mark 8, 22. Um, he, he, he doesn't heal the person completely at the first instance. And so people have said, well, well what was wrong? You know, wasn't the person having enough faith or Jesus wasn't powerful enough? Clearly, from the other examples around this, that's not the case. Mm. There's another reason for it. When you look at the context, you see Jesus' disciples were having not enough faith in what Jesus was doing. They didn't really, they saw what he was doing, but they didn't really clearly understand it, and that's the healing. The man is partially healed, and he sees, you know, like blurry figures of it's people. Like trees walking around. Exactly. <laughs> and so then... Jesus heals him fully. Mm. And and this was a lesson for the disciples. You can see what I'm doing, but you don't fully understand. And it wasn't until later when he left and the Holy Spirit came that they fully understood 
what Jesus was all about. So that healing was more for them than for the person because he was fully healed anyway. And then in um, Matthew 12.10, there's this example of full healing. Now that, that came like with Lazarus as well. But this fully full restoration of people when he healed them, like rising from the dead and the cripples, the deaf, the blind, all those with infirmities that he healed, they weren't partially restored. They were fully restored. And the Bible says that there were towns where he went through and he healed all of their sick. You imagine Launceston, Hobart, Jesus goes through and Monday morning the doctors are sitting around thinking, where's all the sick people? I reckon the, Nobody's uh, here today. I reckon the Department of Health would be very happy if their hospitals weren't so full. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And then the amazing, the saddest thing about this is when Jesus does the healing, often the religious leaders are looking for excuses to not believe. Um, and, and that's really sad. Now, I had an example to share, but, you know, we're, we're out of time for this section. So well, how about we go for a break? Yes, we'll do um, that. And then we'll continue on after the break. Now, we've got a free book offer today <clears throat> called A Day for Healing, and this is by John Brunt. Jesus' actions often transgressed the rabbinical, the rabbinical laws of his day, but never so purposefully as when he performed miracles of healing on the Sabbath. The Gospels record um, five specific Sabbath acts of healing performed by Jesus. Each one was intentional. Each one had a purpose. Each one shows something about who Jesus was. You know, each one underscore the significance of salvation and healing that he came to bring. A Day for Healing examines these miracles with the intent of helping Sabbath keepers understand what Jesus was trying to teach us and to demonstrate what the Sabbath is and what it is not. We will go to a break now, and uh, right after the break, we'll give you the code for this. This is Only the Sick Need a Physician by Caroline Cobb. Who is this man who sits with the sinners, who dines with the drunkards and loves the unclean? Oh, who is this man who won't cast a stone? Tombs full of bones We keep our relief 
Tassie Encounters on Faith of M and today we're finishing up our program with David Maxwell on the topic of Assisting the Afflicted Part 1 Healing the Sick Now I promised the code for our free book offer today we've got three copies of this book to give away it's called A Day for Healing by John Brunt so note this down, text it in this is a code with no spaces just type in the word REFLECT and the numbers 1818. So reflect 18, no spaces. Text that into 0488880891. So, David, as we finish off before the break, you're explaining that Jesus' words and teachings must first affect us if they're going to be of any value to those watching us. How would you like to, uh, ex- you know, uh, finish that off today? Wrap it up. Yeah, wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, just just to start with an illustration, you know, Jesus was really aware of the hypocritical tendencies um, to demand more in others than one would expect for themselves. Now, remember I mentioned that before the break, these religious leaders were looking more for the rules that Jesus was breaking than these amazing miracles that Jesus was doing. And it often seems that the higher one gets in society, the more true this becomes. So as he tires of the religious leader's stubborn refusal to accept the Holy Spirit's leading, Jesus becomes more and more direct in his instructions against their behavior. In Matthew 23, Jesus says, in effect, do what they say, because they're telling you the right things to do, but don't copy what they do because they're hypocrites. Now, I've paraphrased that, of course. So what is it that we learn about Jesus dealing with the sick that we can implement? Because he wasn't just doing it just to heal people. Uh, he was doing it as part of the salvation of people. And we could best reflect him when we learn from that experience. So I see this in in 2 Corinthians five eighteen to 21. And again, we're short on time, so I won't read all of that. But clearly, it says in those verses that it was Jesus' mission to seek and save the lost. And that's freedom from uh, Satan's kingdom, restoration to God. We'll cover that more next week. However, in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 21, five times in that section, we're told that although Jesus' mission was to save those who were lost, he left that job to us when he left. He passed it on like passing the baton. So physically healing, how can we 
have a part in physical healing. Well, two separate times, Jesus sends out disciples and he sends 12 and then he sends 70 and he instructed them, heal the sick. Okay? Um, They weren't doctors. One of them was a doc. Well, no. Those 12, (laughs) there were no doctors. Mm. Luke was a doctor. He was a disciple of um, one of the other disciples. But he, he, he sends them out, heal the sick. Pretty clear instructions. But he backed it up by giving them the Holy Spirit to actually enable them. Now, the physical healing um, that people do for other people, the physical healing is a gift of the Holy Spirit, that one where they pray, they lay hands on them, and the person gets well. That's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Not everyone gets the gift. But can we still bring healing if we don't have the gift? And I'll suggest that we can. And we can do it in a number of ways, just like Jesus did. We can do it with a word with a person, like while we're there. And probably the most common way that Jesus healed was in person. And he spoke these healing words to people. When we go and be with someone who's sick, we can pray on their behalf and we can ask God to heal them. And sometimes God does that um, when he chooses. But just our presence there and our sharing with them can be a healing medium as well with a word from a distance. Now, this is good for today because we live in such a globally connected world today. Although Jesus physically healed people through his power or from distance with a power, when we text, or email, letter, or we actually ring someone up, sometimes that reassurance that someone else is on their team, you know, being with them through the struggles can actually bring a sort of healing of its own. Sometimes without a word, I've been in situations where I've just visited with someone and they're not conscious, but the, the, the power of touch is very important. The hearing, usually it's the last sense to go. You can be with someone who doesn't appear to be conscious and be with them and talk to them and it's such a great help. You can actually see their body relax. Very important. Mm. And similarly with a touch. Um, by an instruction. Now, God has given wisdom to people in medical, both the official medical and the uh, herbal medical fields, that they are able to share wisdom and we can use some of that instruction for our own healing. Partially, sometimes there are things that we can do to help somebody realise what they can do themselves to improve their health. And that's important that we share that. You know, remember, God wants us to make good choices with our bodies because our bodies belong to him. And then fully, there are those really special times when we pray and we intercede on someone's behalf and God allows, permits and acts through our intercession and fully restores someone either immediately or over time, as I've talked about before. So regardless of how we choose to assist in the process of physical and spiritual healing, Remember, it's really God who provides it, not us. And he wants us to display his compassion and love to others because that's how we show others what God is like. Mm. So bring you back to our opening illustration of the doctor's mechanic before I finish, and that is the medical field, yes, may have lots of answers on healing, but they're not in the same league as God's master physician. They just aren't. Mm. They may think they do the same job like the mechanic and and the surgeon, So why don't they get the same recognition? But Jesus is the one who really brings healing, completely restores us, both our bodies and our spiritual concerns as well. We'll touch more on that next week. So how are you going? 
Are you reflecting Jesus in the way we reach out spiritually and physically help others? If not, well, possibly you might need some healing yourself. If you are, don't stop. If you need help, please get in touch. Um, we can send you some more material or connect you with someone who can help you on your journey. Mm. We've had uh, Margie text in to say that they're praying for somebody in New Zealand who has uh, pancreatic cancer and uh, he has a young family with children. So uh, she's asked us if we could pray for them as well. Mm. So we will do that, Margie. Thanks for texting us in. And do you know, when when we are uh, sick, it's so important to know. I, I know when I've been in this situation, to know that my church family are praying for me gives me a lot of encouragement and a lot of comfort. Mm. So uh, we've come to the end of our program today. Uh, next week, you've got uh, Assisting the Afflicted Part 2. What are you going to be talking about mm. there, David? So we'll delve more in the spiritual side of healing next week. Awesome. And you've got uh, something coming up in northern Tasmania? Yes, on the 18th of September, Sunday the 18th, there's a Northern Couples Enrichment Afternoon. Includes lunch, uh, goes for a few hours, really positive in building relationships. Awesome. So if you're in Tasmania, do uh, try to get in touch with David at uh, Launceston Church, I assume. They can get in touch yes, with you through right. that. And uh, you can go on that event on the 18th of September. Now, tomorrow we've got Libby Herganen joining us, and she's going to be talking about religion and health. Is there a connection? So applicable to today's mm. program and such a good one to follow on from mm. what David's been talking about today. Do remember that we've got our free book offer for today, A Day for Healing, and we've got a couple of copies of that left to give away. Reflect 18, Reflect 18 is the code to get that. 488 Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, may God, uh, his presence be with you today. Jesus, Thanks, Jason. It's enough to pay the price to set you free He can fill up every jar and every heart that ever be When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need It is like the leper's river Running humble with a power you cannot see Seven times go under Let the water wash you clean Only go down to the Jordan and believe Only go down in the Jordan and
it is like the widow's oil. When it's all you have, it's all you'll ever need. It is all you'll ever need.